0: Oh. Right we <laughs> support this man, Black Media.
1: He makes sure that our stories are told. I
2: thank you for being the voice of Black America, Rolling. Hey, I love
1: y'all. All momentum we have now, we have to keep this going. The
2: video looks
1: phenomenal. See, this the difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You
3: can't be Black-owned media and be scared. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home, you dig?
4: Today is Friday, January 21st, 2022, and coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network, she died in her home, and it was a white man with her who alerted the police, but the police didn't take him into custody because he, quote, looked like a nice guy. I'm talking about the death of Lauren Smith Fields in Bridgeport, Connecticut. The family, Uh, has filed a notice. Uh, They want to uh, sue the police department over the investigation. It's been more than a month since she died. The cause of death has yet to be determined. There's so much to unpack with this story. The Fields family attorney joins us to understand this bizarre case. In Oklahoma, a white man is back behind bars after violating his bond in the murder of a black man whose body was buried under the white man's septic tank. Florida's Republican Governor Ron DeSantis is pushing a bill aimed at prohibiting public schools and private businesses from making white people feel discomfort. What does that even mean? We'll talk to a black Florida State State Senator about that very issue. In Mississippi, black lawmakers walk out as the Senate passes an anti-critical race theory bill. Voting rights aren't the only unfulfilled promises made by President Joe Biden. He made some about marijuana reform that he has yet to address. We'll talk to a cannabis activist who will explain how Biden has fallen short. Also, more black families are homeschooling their children, citing the pandemic and racism. In our Education Matters segment, we'll meet two women who created a community where children can learn in a less stressful environment. And also... Mm, mm, mm. crazy white woman goes to a school board meeting literally saying if y'all don't change your policy, I'm going to bring back my loaded guns. The school district has stepped up their policing because she said, I'll be back on Monday. And we we'll are taking your phone calls right here on the show as well. Remember, only our Bring the Funk fan club members get to chime in. It is time to Bring the Funk on Roland Martin Unfiltered right here on the Black Star Network. Let's go. he
5: Whatever the miss he's on it, whatever it is.
4: All right, folks, a family desperately seeks answers after a relative is found dead in her Connecticut apartment after meeting someone on a dating app. 23-year-old Lauren Smithfield. This is her right here, folks. She was found inside her Bridgeport, uh, Connecticut apartment last month. Officials say Matthew uh, LaFontaine met her on the dating app, but it was the person who alerted the police to her death. Okay, hmm, same person. He was not detained. Okay, now here's the problem. It's bad enough that they did not consider him to be a suspect. The family says the police did not inform them that Lauren was even dead. They found out when they traveled to Bridgeport after not hearing from her, and Lauren's landlord told the family that she had passed away. Today, the family filed a notice of intent to sue the Bridgeport Police Department over the handling of this case. Folks, this has befuddled many people. Folks have been asking lots of questions on social media, and also, it hasn't gotten lots of attention. The family's attorney is uh, Darnell uh, Crossland. He joins us right now for Bridgeport. Glad to have you on the show. Um, so so, so first, so just sort of walk us through this. So Lauren meets this guy, on a meets this white guy on a dating app? Is he from Bridgeport? Does he come from another particular city? What do y'all know about him? How old is he? W- 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 please just set this, lay this out for us, what happened?
6: Yeah, thank you for having us on the show. It's a very important topic. Um, so what we know is that this gentleman is from Stratford, Connecticut, which is about 20 minutes from Bridgeport, Connecticut. And um, he's about 50 something years old, as far as we know. Um, and Lauren is 23. Um, he allegedly meets, uh, Lauren on a dating website called Bumble. Um, and that's a statement that he gave to the police officers. But as we sit here today, the police officers have not requested from Bumble, uh, a copy of the transcripts, if you would, between, uh, the conversations between the two of them. They have not done any of that.
4: Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold up. I'm sorry. So you're telling me that the guy who calls cops who is in the apartment, he's 50-something, she's 23. He says how they met, a month has passed and they haven't even gotten records from the dating app company?
6: That's exactly what I'm saying. So due diligence will tell you that they should at least have, by this time, reached out to Bumble and said, hey, can we have some records that show that Lauren was contacting uh, this guy or this guy was contacting her. They have not done that. The CEO of Bumble have reached out to us, and today, as I sit here today, they confirm that the police department in Bridgeport has not even requested anything from them and that they're willing to give whatever, whatever they, whatever's requested.
4: Okay, so he calls police. Is there a 911 recording? Is there any audio recording? Uh, of him calling the police, police arrived. Is there any body camera footage from the officers when they came to her apartment?
6: At this point, the police have failed, have have refused to turn over anything to my office, and they cite that as an ongoing investigation. So uh, we don't have that, but we will be, as well as many people from the press, have been making FOIA requests, uh, saying that we need to have this information because the Bridgeport police have failed to prosecute this case.
4: Okay. So you, so you have... Okay. All right. So they don't, they don't request the information. Um, they're not turning over information to you. Is there an active investigation? Have they even articulated that to you and the family?
6: Yes. So they've articulated that there's an investigation. Um, I, I like the word you use, active. They seem to be everything but active. Um, so they're just uh, basically pacifying this family by saying that they're investigating, but they have done nothing to show that they are. For instance, the day that Lauren was found at the apartment dead, um, and this uh, white man allegedly called uh, the uh, police, they didn't even quarantine off the area. They didn't do the normal CSI protocols. They didn't collect anything of value um, on that day. So I. You know, I'm a... I don't want to even call this an investigation. It seemed like they're doing nothing.
4: Okay. Um, do you know how... Lo- did they bring him to the police station to interview him? Nothing.
6: Um, so the... Wait wait wait,
4: that- wait, 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 wait. A 23-year-old seemingly healthy woman dies in her apartment. The dude who admits they just met through an app, is in the apartment, he calls the cops, they arrive, he alive, she dead, and they don't even bring him to the police station for questioning?
6: That's what I'm saying. I've I've been a fan of yours. I've been watching your show for a long time. And, you know, if you you have time to second seat me on this, um, you can be co-counsel here, because those are the questions. And, and that is the sentiment. This guy has not even been called a person of interest, much less he's a suspect, and they have not even called him a person of interest. They just let him go.
4: What? Okay. What is the mayor saying? What is city council member saying? What is the police chief saying?
6: The, the police... is The acting police chief, because the police chief is in federal prison uh, doing a year sentence for uh, for some type some type of fraud related to his position, um, and so he's gone. And um, the uh, acting uh, police chief has said nothing. We've requested meetings with them. They have uh, refused to meet with us. Um, they brought us into the police department one time, and they put us in an interrogation room that was about four by four, not a conference room. And it was myself. Ms. Chantel, the mother, the two brothers, and the family advocate, squeezed into a small little room. And uh, I've been in that room many times with clients of mine who've been accused of murder. It's the same interrogation room they put us in. So they've shown no respect at all for the for this family or this process. And Gabby Petito got way more of uh, attention and way more uh, uh, of a process as a white woman than we've gotten at all.
4: Um... I, I, I'm going to bring my panel here. I'm sure they have some questions, uh, and so let me do that right now. Um, first of all, uh, Michael M. Hotep, African History Network. Uh, he joins us. Uh, I'm certainly sort of glad to have you, Kelly Buffet, Communication Strategist, uh, Matt Manning, Civil Rights Attorney. Uh, Matt, uh, I'll start with you. You get to ask the first question from the panel.
7: The question I have for you, brother, is uh, what has the police department said in their explanation as to why they don't take somebody who's on the scene into custody? Did they take any kind of preliminary statements there at all?
6: Yeah, yeah, there's an incident report um, that the gentleman gave, um, and I have a copy of that. And um, in that incident report, for instance, it says that uh, the gentleman said that he did not have sex with her, Uh, he did not take his clothes off, they slept with their clothes on. Yet still, we find a condom with semen in, in the bathroom we find lubricant, we find a pill that's used for, as a sedative on the uh, on the kitchen counter. These are what they call physical evidence. This is physical evidence. So in my 17 years of practice, what you normally do is take that physical evidence and compare it with the statement that this gentleman made. And then you see if it, if it matches. So if there's a used condom with semen in it, that's an unknown. You compare that with the DNA of a known, which would be the gentleman. Take his DNA and compare it with the, with the unknown, which is the semen in the condom. They didn't do that. They didn't even collect it. So two weeks after. Whoa, 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 whoa,
4: death... wait, 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 hold up, hold up. When hold up, hold up. Y- you just said we discovered a used condom. Y'all did, and not the cops? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. What wait a minute. Which which says that. So do you have... Okay, I'm sorry. I've covered many cases. Is there an evidence report? Have they yeah. even said what we collected? Nope.
6: It, it was so bad... Wow! Tell them ...what to take.
4: Okay, I don't think people watching... I, I don't think the people who are watching listening really understand w- what we just heard. hmm So now the So now here's the problem. Because they did not collect the evidence... Y'all did, you now have a chain of custody issue.
6: There you go. There you go. There you go. And, And I keep saying, it's like in the O.J. case, when Van Atta rode around with the vial of blood from Rockingham for days and weeks. Johnny Cochran raised that same issue. Why was he riding around with the blood? It should have been taken directly to the laboratory. Same thing here. They collected nothing. And when they finally collected it on, on December 29th, and we made them collect it, on January 5th, I called the forensic laboratory in Meriden, Connecticut, which I've dealt with a lot of murder cases myself. And they said, they looked up the, the case number and said, the Bridgeport Police Department hasn't sent anything here. They said, Is this the case about the young lady who died in Bridgeport? I said, Yes. How did you know that? We saw it on the news. And, and they said, let's double check. They double checked. They said, nope, no submissions made by the Bridgeport, Bridgeport, Bridgeport Police Department. So where is the condom? Where is the lube? Where is the pill? It's like they just threw it out the window.
7: Has the medical examiner given a preliminary uh, report on her cause of death at this point? I know y'all are getting an independent autopsy, but, I mean, you presumably there would be an arrest warrant issued if there's anything corroborative of foul play that could have been related to this guy. Has the medical examiner said anything to that respect?
6: As of today, uh, the Washington Journal, uh, Washington Post, called up to the lab and uh, was told that they're still reviewing and they don't have anything else to add at this point.
4: Wait a minute! So, wait a minute! An autopsy? Yes. A month later? Mm-hmm.
6: Yeah. They said it'll be sixty more. They said it'll be thirty more days before they could they even be would be done with it.
4: No, normal. Okay. Uh, again, I've covered a lot of stuff you typically can have it you can have a preliminary autopsy report in 24 48 hours max 72 hours then what they typically say is they sent the tissue samples off for toxicology reports and that comes in later normally you have a preliminary ruling as to the cause of death yes kelly your question
8: i mean i'm just shaking my head along with everybody here because I I really have no words for just the lack of protocol, lack of respect, lack of just competence from this police department. Um, I have one and a half questions rather. Um, Is there, regarding the suspect himself, is there any evidence of political connections, personal connections of the suspect with uh, the police department in that jurisdiction? And secondly, Um, the larger issue being, is there a history, I'm sure most, if not all jurisdictions, police jurisdictions, have a history of racism and botched cases, but do you have an idea of just how pervasive the racism is in this jurisdiction? Is this a pattern, or is this something that is truly unheard of in Bridgeport?
6: Good question, and I can tell you that uh, I'm from the Bronx, Bronx, New York, and I've been practicing here for 17 years. And... From the moment I started practicing here uh, and standing up and giving voice to the, to the people, um, I've been told they're going to come after you. And just like Martin Luther King's letter from the Birmingham jail, um, uh, I was working on a bunch of cases here, and uh, the prosecutor's office locally uh, came up with some charges against me, and now that same prosecutor is being investigated for fraud, and he's mm. the prosecutor for the entire state. So that's the entire state of Connecticut. So his, na- his name is Richard Colangelo, and this guy's been um, just a really bad character for a very long time. And so when you break it down to the local jurisdiction, uh, which is Bridgeport, um, we have uh, the, the mayor now who, um, who did five years in federal uh, prison. Um, now the chief of police, who he appointed, is in federal prison now. Uh, he's been uh, sentenced to one year. And so it, it just keeps going, right? And They want to silence anyone who speaks up. The prosecutor who runs the whole state uh, has told people publicly that Darnell has a big mouth and we need to shut him up. So that's what you get. Now, in terms of this gentleman, to to answer your question specifically with him, since this case has gone national, there's been thousands of people reporting and making comments on social media that this gentleman and the Bushwell Police Department are one and the same, that his family Mm. has always gotten away with, basically, murder in that that jurisdiction. And a couple people have come forward now to say that they have been on dates with him and he has a pattern of behavior. And so we're collecting Mm -hmm. all that with our private investigator, and we're going to really break this case in a direction that hasn't been broken yet because we do believe he's connected. And I'll add this last part to that. Um, When you look at the chain of events, the landlord um, said that uh, he got a knock on the door around 3 or 4 in the morning, and he thought it was the police, but he didn't open. And we believe that that was the responding detective, Detective Cronin, and and he left the scene, and then at night, around 7.30 or 6.30, uh, this gentleman calls 911. So what we believe is that when when he found out that Lauren was dead, he called his buddy, Detective Cronin, and said, hey, come to the scene. Detective Cronin came, tried to help things out. The landlord didn't open. He left and then told this guy, "Call. I want you now to call 911. Uh, so now he's been taken off the case, and now he's being in- investigated by Internal Affairs. And so they wouldn't be investigating him if there wasn't smoke there, there wasn't fire there. So um, to answer your question, we do believe he has a strong connection with the Bridgeport Police Department, and the corruption is rampant.
4: Uh, Michael, um, go ahead.
3: All right. <laughs> Uh, Attorney Crossland, thanks for coming on today. This is a crazy, crazy case. Uh, just quickly, a couple questions. I, so, with the landlord, th- this is an apartment building, my understanding. Um, and oftentimes, with apartment buildings, um, they have records on the tenants and their contact numbers for the tenants in case of emergency. Was that the case here with uh, Lauren uh, Smith Fields? Was there contact information? on record uh with the uh whoever owned the apartment building or, or the property management company uh and then also um uh, is there any talk about I, I may have missed it uh the state taking over this investigation the state of connecticut taking over this this investigation
6: well well those are great questions and I'll, I'll start with the first part the landlord uh landlord's name is hector um and he does have that information we found out from internal affairs that bridgeport has a protocol that said, whenever there's a death, um, the next of kin must be notified within 24 mm-hmm. hours. In person, right. not by phone. If they can't be notified by phone, then, I mean, in person, then they could be notified by phone. In this particular case, they just moved uh, Lauren's body, sent her to the coroner, and, and the family didn't find out until almost two days later, after calling Lauren, calling Lauren, and nobody responding. Um, in terms of uh, the state's attorney's office, as I stated, Richard Colangelo, who's the head prosecutor, is currently being investigated uh, for Mm -hmm. fraud. And so the family doesn't feel that they can rely on on that gentleman um, to bring any justice. So we're asking for DOJ or for an outside agency to come in. Thank you.
4: That's, uh, it's unbelievable um the bridgeport police did release this statement uh they said that on december 12 2021 the bridgeport emergency operations center uh received a uh call for service regarding an untimely death upon police arrival it was found that miss lauren smith fields passed away unexpectedly this incident is currently being investigated by the bridgeport police department's detective bureau this investigation remains open and active The, the the detective bureau is awaiting the final report from the chief medical examiner's office for cause and manner of death Miss Smithfields. The Bridgeport Police Department offers its sincerest condolences to the family and friends of Miss Lauren Smithfields. We encourage anyone with information regarding this incident to contact either De- Detective Sergeant Joseph Morales at 203-581-5219 or the Bridgeport Police Tips Line, 203-576-8477. But attorney, I'm sorry. You, you want people with any information. There's only one person who was in the apartment when she, when she died.
6: <laughs> really? <laughs> and they want to take the DNA. Of my client's mother, after two weeks of leaving the scene unquarantined, um, they allowed the family to start moving the stuff, start putting her stuff in storage, Lauren's stuff, that is, and never gave any advisory, like don't come in or, but they let them just move stuff. And then after that, they say, oh, by the way, we're gonna need to get your DNA because you guys were in the crime scene. And they said, well, you guys didn't tell us that we couldn't move the stuff. And so they, they're deliberately creating a situation, Roland, as you said, a chain of custody situation, yeah. uh, a tampered space situation. They they directly have, have created this. They've created this. And I just want to let you know, um, uh, about 20 minutes before I got on your show, another family came in my office here, and um, their daughter was found dead in a gentleman's house the same exact day as Lauren. The same exact day. And they've gone to the Bridgeport Police Department seeking uh, whether... Someone to investigate. Nothing's happened. Um, they've been treated rudely—a black family as well, rudely and uh, with total disregard. And like I said, they just left here, and and uh, and they're seeking justice as well. So they're going to be at the march, which we're having a march for Lauren on Sunday, which is her birthday, and um, and this family is going to be there as well. So uh, as we see, it's not just isolated to Lauren's family, but uh, other families as well who are not getting any any justice
4: Uh, unbelievable unbelievable uh let us know uh let us know if uh if anyone will will anyone's gonna be live streaming that what we'll do is we'll carry it on our platforms and the black star network and so we can certainly coordinate it with our tech folks uh because we we got to get answers to what the heck happened and again for people to understand these cases basically the actions of these police officers Mm -hmm. they have just basically Gutted any possibility of the of, of the district attorney being able to have any evidence tying him. If you ain't got evidence, guess what? You're screwed. You're screwed. This exactly. This this, this is unbelievable here. Uh, Darnell I think, Cross, go
6: ahead. If we, if the family uh, or your viewers could uh, follow us at our uh, Dar- at Twitter at Darnell Crossland. That's one S. I noticed that your tagline has is okay. on it. So
4: D-A-R-N-E-L-L-C-R-O-S-L-A-N-D. That's the Twitter handle
6: that's a Twitter handle and Instagram as well. And so we will live stream. And I will speak with your um, executive producer cool. um, who has been very generous to us and I'll give her the link to the live stream.
4: Okay, all right, we certainly appreciate it. Uh, thanks a lot. And certainly give our regards uh, to Lawrence family. Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks a bunch. Uh, let's go back to my panel on this. I mean, this is, Matt, this is, th- this is the thing that we talk about this case, the case that we talked about uh, of the brother who was shot and killed in, uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, four white guys there. They all got guns. The brother ends up dead. Cops interview the guys on the scene. Nobody comes down to the police station. Uh, I mean, it's just... I mean, it's-it's just absolutely outlandish.
7: It's-it's outlandish, and it-it really reeks of something going on, meaning something shady's happening, because basic police protocol would be if you have somebody on scene you believe that they were especially sexually involved with uh, the decedent. I mean, you-, you talk to them right there. You take their phone. You start... You know, that's really what we find a lot of evidence these days. I, I know you know, Roland, I was a prosecutor. I prosecuted a lot of murder cases and defended a lot of murder cases. And almost invariably, everything is on the phone. So what I didn't get to ask Attorney Crossland is how the police have explained they didn't even take Mr. LaFontaine's phone into custody, because that's common fare these days. So it sounds like somebody there knew him or somebody there gave some reason that they didn't think they needed to pick him up. But the problem now is the prosecutors are gonna have uh, basically no chance to really prosecute this case without it being so full of holes that a defense attorney is gonna have a strong case at this point. And it makes no sense because this is basic police procedure to take somebody on scene into custody, interrogate them, continue doing so, and to to collect evidence, like, from the phone. So I I don't understand what's happening. And it's really indefensible at this point. And there may be some, some criminal and or civil liability um, following this.
4: And, and, and the thing here, Kelly, is, is simple. Uh, prosecutors need evidence. And so if uh, the cops didn't collect condom, didn't test the condom, didn't test the semen, didn't collect his DNA, didn't dust for fingerprints, didn't do anything else, uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter what the family discovered. Because that simply is inadmissible because they can say, oh, you guys planted that. And so the, the inaction of the police uh, clearly uh, aids this man in any potential defense that he has. They, this, is a, this, is, this is tantamount to obstruction of justice.
8: It absolutely is, but when you say the inaction of the police, it's also the action of the police in that they let the family into the apartment because they did not secure a crime scene at all. So it's as if they knew that it was a crime scene, but because the family's in there, now any evidence that could be found thereafter is going to be tampered with or or just compromised altogether, and it's just infuriating to me that this is so convoluted and so just laden with conspiracy and, and cronyism such that someone who, who clearly, at least from the court of public opinion, clearly did this. You know, I can say allegedly, I know legally it's allegedly, but from all accounts right now, you know, if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, With all that being said, just because of the cronyism, a Black woman, yet again, is unprotected by the justice system. And that is what's breaking my heart the most, the fact that, yes, you know, things like this happen every day, but when it comes to black women, the fact that this is not national news is a problem. The fact that I am just hearing about this through your newscast is a problem. And the fact that this is not a nationwide story that is viral is a problem. Because if yeah, this I, were a I, black man right now? in this situation... I'm sorry?
4: Uh, Kelly, keep going. Go ahead.
8: Oh, I, I thought you said... I apologize. But no, the no, fact that it is not as viral as it needs to be that is a problem. Because if this were a, a Trayvon Martin situation or even a Freddie Gray situation, we had viral moments for them, but when it comes to Black women... Actually, it, actually, it... actually
4: I, I, hold up, hold up. I, I, I'm gonna let you finish that, but with Trayvon, that wasn't the case. What happened, what happened to Trayvon was, that was... Remember, Trayvon, uh, that what happened to an NBA All-Star game was a Sunday. It mm-hmm. was... It was... It was like two or three months of social media talking. Hey, why is the case not, not getting any attention? I remember I was getting some tweets, uh, and the Trave, If I'm correct, the Trayvon thing did not go national uh, really until about six weeks to two months after he was killed. It was like... Sort of, it was the same... In fact, in many ways, it was the same as this case right here, that it was this build-up. This case has been getting... Uh, people are talking on social media, so... Freddie Gray, obviously that's different, but but you can make a comparison that this case is similar to Trayvon in that it took six or eight weeks to actually get some, get some national attention.
8: Oh, absolutely, and I agree with you there. I'm not talking about direct parallels as to timeline. What I'm saying is when it comes to black boys and black men in similar situations, they are more likely to go viral. Their case is more likely to get the attention that it deserves, as opposed to black women. It feels like, and studies show, that it is harder for black women to get attention in the media. It is harder for black women to be taken seriously, which is why hashtag protect black women is a hashtag in the first place. That there's a reason for that. So that was my point.
4: Well, I mean, look, we're in a situation, Michael, where black folk... C- cases of black folks, period. Black, black people come up missing. You can be a black woman or a black man come up missing. Media ain't giving you damn attention. They ain't doing it. I mean, it's you, you, again. We have to yell, holler, scream, kick, threaten right. to actually get coverage because you got lo- you got white folks who control mainstream media. That's just the bottom line. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what you're dealing with here. But again, you take this case involving this black woman. You take the case we dealt with last Friday of the black man in Pennsylvania, sort of same for the, for, uh, the guy who was from Jamaica, sort of same thing, and that is. The the level of interest or attention is not there, and what it does is it shines a light on these police departments, one in Allegheny, Pennsylvania, one in Bridgeport, Connecticut, where they don't give a damn.
3: Uh, Absolutely, Roland. You know, this is another example of white privilege and also the uh, de-valuing of the lives of African Americans, especially African American women. But, you know, in in reading this, this, and I had heard about this uh, previously uh, on on social media, uh, the fact that the police did not contact Bumble to get the correspondence between Lauren Lauren and and Matthew. I mean, and 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 reading the story, I was wondering, okay, so did, did this guy, did Matthew, did he have any relationships with the police officers? Bruh, here's the defense? problem. We don't know, because they ain't right. investigating nothing.
4: First of all, how do you not notify the family that she's dead? That's one. Mm-hmm. Two, right. how do you sit here and you not take him down to the police station, okay? okay? How do you not do that? How do you not look around the damn apartment for evidence? How? He right. says we ain't have sex. A basic-ass check... Oh, damn, there's a condom in a, in, a, in, a, in a trash can. Oh, there's semen in it. Bring me an evidence bag, please. Bag this. Test that semen. We need your DNA. Do they match? Oh, it matches. Dude, you just lied to us. You said y'all didn't have sex, so why is there what? a semen? Okay, she goes to the medical examiner's office. You do a rape examination. I mean, I mean, you sit... Okay, you check what? her to... see. Dude, this is this. It's what, basic, right? I mean, this is like this is some Law and Order shit. Like this, well, you can well, watch, you can watch CSI and go. Right. Um. Step one, two, three, four, five. Not done.
3: Well, when well, and very often, ask, how, how
4: did they very do, often, how did very often? Actually, Michael, hold on, Darnell. I didn't realize Darnell was still there. Darnell, go ahead. Oh, okay. Darnell, you still there? No, I'm sorry. That was Matt. That was Matt. That was Matt. Matt, Matt, go ahead. i Michael finish. Matt, go, Matt, go ahead.
7: Say, very quickly, what happens in cases like these is police find any way to charge a person that they think is a suspect so they can immediately interrogate him. Yes! They might, mm-hmm. they might charge him with sexual assault rather than the homicide. They might charge him with, you know, failure to report a death. In a lot of states, you have a, a, a duty to report a felony, right? Poli- I mean, having been a prosecutor and defense attorney, I see all the time basically phony charges or charges that cops know are not gonna stick so they can get to the ultimate question of, did this person, you know, uh, engage in the homicide? So the fact here that they have somebody who they knew had sex with them was on scene, they didn't take him into custody at all under any pretense, uh, indicates that there's something real shady going
4: on. Mike, go Sorry ahead. About that. Mike, go
3: ahead. Well, and, and the other thing, one of the basic questions is, okay, so how did you two meet? How long have you known each other? Okay, so... Uh, so you're saying you... You met on an app. You Pulled met on the, the records. App, and, then, and, and then you're saying you slept in the bed together, but you didn't have sex. With you, clothes I mean, on. The, 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 with the clothes, I mean, so none of this makes sense. But the other thing is... Um, Y'all slept oh, in the oh, bed, clothes on, but the there was a condom with semen
4: in it, and the family found two weeks later.
3: But the other thing is... Um, the fact that the family has to raise money to get an independent autopsy. That's, that's something else that's that's you know just wrong with this uh story here. I want to see what the results of the autopsy are. But this sounds, this police department, Bridge Connecticut Police Department, sounds like it may uh need a uh, patterns and practice uh investigation from the Department of Justice. dog this is this
4: is just unbelievable. It's absolutely crazy. Um Folks, we're going to continue to uh, follow this case, see what happens next. I got to go to a break. We come back. We're going to talk about the craziness happening down in Florida. Rhonda Santis, oh, my God. You know what? I think this qualifies for a crazy-ass white people segment. I really think it does. But Rhonda Santis is pushing a bill so white people are not uncomfortable talking about race, not just in schools, but also in private businesses. I told y'all why my white fear book is dropping. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just playing out before your very eyes. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered right here on the Black Star Network.
9: Michelle. Hi, I'm Chailey Rose, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered.
10: Grill. No charcoal
11: grills are allowed. I'm white. I got I'm you, Carl. Yeah,
12: um, illegally selling water without a permit on my property.
11: Whoa! Hey! Remember, oh, give it oh, We yeah. don't live here. Yeah. So I'm uncomfortable.
4: I uh, think this proposal by the idiot governor of Florida qualifies for the crazy as white people's segment. So here's what's happening. He is pushing a bill that is intended to shield whites from the discomfort of racist past. Like, what the hell does that even mean? To me right now, it's Florida State's... Um, Florida State Representative Chevron uh, uh, Jones, Jr. I'm just... Uh, I, don't, I don't understand what's going on here. Maybe he can tell us this here. So, uh, glad to have you here, Chevron uh, what, what... what... what the hell is this?
1: I, I asked the same question in committee on uh, Tuesday uh, to see what... asking first, what does individual freedom uh, mean, which I believe is just a guise for them to uh, cover up for individuals who don't understand the process. But this is the part one of Governor DeSantis' Stop the Woke Act that he proposed earlier within the year, uh, saying that he wanted to stop the teaching of critical race theory, which I have stopped saying and just said true American Black history wants to stop the teaching of that and the 1619 Project in our classrooms. But mind you you and I both know, and everyone across this country know that CRT is not taught in our classrooms uh, and is not even taught in DEI trainings. Uh, but the governor, uh, this is his national agenda that he's pushing across the country, that he's brought uh, to the state of Florida. And by mind you, Roland, uh, he has uh, has not uh, and is not dealing with the, uh, the more kitchen table issues that needs to be dealt with. Like the the rising rent costs that we have in South Florida, the raging hospitalizations that we have, but yet still they have made CRT uh, the issue of the year. Look, this this, this, this is simple,
4: and I... which is why my book is dropping later this year year called White Fear. This is about pushing the racial buttons of white people to get these white people angry and upset so they vote. That's what Youngkin did in here in Virginia, Two th- and uh, when he won the governor's mansion, he also ran against an awful Democratic opponent, in Terry McAuliffe, who gave nobody a reason why the hell he deserved a second term as governor. Um, but that's all this is, okay? We all know it's bull- bullshit. Look, Fox News all of a sudden has broken out the migrants flooding to America video because, again, it's all about, it's all about the election. Ron DeSantis is appealing to the racial animus of white people.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that and that's and, and we and we've been I've said that earlier today that uh, Governor DeSantis is doing this to appease to a base. Uh, he saw that the base uh, responded to Donald Trump in his executive order when he when uh, when uh, Donald Trump called for uh, the stops in the teaching of cr- critical race theory. Uh, he saw that it was popular among them. And so he just went along with it. Uh, if you lo- if you look at the debate that took place and the questioning that took place in the Education Committee last week, I asked a question to the bill sponsor. What is critical race theory? The bill sponsor not only did he not answer it, uh, he couldn't even answer. Uh, he couldn't even answer why they are putting the bill forth. And of course, it's red meat for the governor for him to eventually run for president to say, "Hey, here's our gold- my gold trophy." I did everything I said I was gonna do, uh, across the state of... Florida. I mean, across the country. We did it in Florida first.
4: So, the status of... Uh, of no, not, first of all, you even go to that. This also applies... How the hell does this apply to private businesses?
1: Well, you... Listen, the, the governor is no... He's no, um, um... Uh, this is not new for him in what he's doing with private businesses. He did the same thing with private businesses uh, with vaccine and mass mandates uh, when he called a special session for that uh, to happen. So uh, there's this entire authoritarian leadership that's taking place in South Florida, I mean, in in Florida, period, where the governor has uh, is is totally moving and letting it be known that he is the kingmaker in Florida. Uh, that goes for school boards. That goes for local governments, and now that goes to our classrooms.
4: Um, just again, just makes no sense whatsoever. So, um, all right, we'll be following this uh, Florida State Senator Chevron uh, Jones Jr. Keep up the good work, uh, fighting a good fight. Thanks, Fred. Appreciate it. All right, uh, let's. So let's. Uh, okay, y'all. Again, roll it again.
10: Girl, no charcoal girls are allowed. I'm white. I got you, Carl. Yeah, um, illegally selling water without a permit on my property. Whoa! Hey! I remember? Oh, Give oh, your eyes. You
5: don't
4: live yeah. I'm uncomfortable. All right. So, school board meeting here in Virginia just goes nuts doing the public speaking portion when this fool stands up and says this.
9: My child, my children will not come to school on Monday with a mask on, all right? That's not happening. And I will bring every single gun loaded and ready to, I, I will call every- That's three minutes. You've past your time. It's a policy. Thank
0: you. Mm-hmm. I'll see y'all on Monday.
4: That was in Page County, Virginia. Now the school district has announced that they have had to step up security for Monday because that crazy-ass white woman literally threatened to bring loaded guns on Monday. These people, Michael, are sick and demented because they're complaining about a flimsy ass mask.
3: Roland? In, in 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 the uh in the state where uh General Robert E. Lee is from also. Brother, this is a continuation uh, of the of the uh the uh, insurrection that took place called the Civil War. This is this is a continuation of that. The, you can draw a direct line from uh the, the Civil War and the attack on Fort Sumter, April 12, 1861, and what happened January 6, uh 2021. These people have lost their minds. So um, you know they, they need to buff up uh, they need to beef up security there to deal with de- deal with people like her. And if you look at what's coming out of the January sixth committee, you look at what's I mean, right here in in Michigan, uh, you you have these fake electors showing up to the state capitol, okay? when when the certification was trying to take place, you you have fake electors in five states. so this is this is all co- coordinated. This is a fear of the browning of America. This is uh, continued backlash to two terms of President Barack Obama. And, you know, this critical race theory thing, I talked about this last night on my show, uh, the, 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 it's called the Individual Freedom Bill out of Florida. Yeah. The Individual Freedom Bill. Um, and these are things that they're going to use as um, culture wars in the 2022 midterm election, but also 2024 as well. So, brother, we, we have to be vigilant, be ready, and fight against this and defeat them again. The South may rise again, but they ain't gonna rise... Uh, it's not going to be a white supremacist South that rises again. Now, nah, let me tell you
4: something, uh, Matt. I think uh, this is one of those... I think the school district messed up. They stopped her because her time was up. They should have let her ass finish, and when she finished, they should have said, I'm sorry, she just been a terroristic threat. You're under Exa- arrest.
7: Exactly. That's what I was going to say is most insidious about this, because if it was a black parent that stood up and said, I'm coming back next week with every loaded gun I have, they would have been taken into custody right there. It's, per se, a terroristic threat. Um, And that's really what's problematic here beyond this crazy lady is that we know that if it was a black parent, we'd be having a different conversation. We'd be talking about a black parent who's in custody for having made a threat at a school board meeting. So what I would like to know from the local authorities is how they don't take her into custody on site. Beefing up security is is a consequence of white privilege because if it's a black parent, she's taken into custody right there. They don't let her come back on Monday to potentially have the guns. That's the... I don't understand how that ha- happened in this case.
4: I'm telling you, uh, I keep, look, these people, are, are they're, they're nuts, they're crazy, uh, and you cannot play nice with these people, Kelly. They need to be dealt with as the white domestic terrorists that
8: they are. I was just about to say, these are terrorists and you don't negotiate with terrorists, right? But for me, it is literally easier to do the right thing in this case. And it makes no sense to me how you can go through such extremes just to be stupid. Like, it, it that it, it is baffling to me. It is harder to bring guns to the school to defend your right to not wear a piece of cloth across your face. It is harder for you to protest, um, to a school board. It is harder for you not to get the vaccine. It is... It's just harder. And when it comes to, uh, DeSantis down in Florida, I mean, again, with the stupidity, it's just how do you make white people feel comfortable about something that they did? You know, it's like, how do you... how do you assuage... White guilt outside of getting rid of the grandparents who did it in the first place, you know, unless you're talking about some type of of, of genocide or something. Like, I don't understand how how it is the victim's uh, responsibility for your guilt in this situation, especially. When... And, and, and how, how do you know... measure it? How, how do you like? Yeah. How do you? So like, what? Somebody says
4: something, and somebody goes. I, I'm uncomfortable.
8: Right. Mm-hmm.
4: I, I, I'm uncomfortable. So now, so one white person goes, I'm uncomfortable. So it's kind of like, OK, well, the session is over. Um, well, the, the discussion well, is over. That's sorry. Sorry, Kelly. Uh, you can't finish your presentation because Becky is uncomfortable.
8: And when you think about all the times that black people have been in uncomfortable situations because white people have said the most egregious, stupid, insidious thing to our faces in mass, in, in courtrooms, in classes, in meetings, in corporate, in pro- it, Like, think of a time. It was probably yesterday for a lot of us. It may Or today. Who knows, depending on your on your work situation. It happens for minorities and black people every single day. So for us to basically tell you the truth about yourself and that making you uncomfortable, therapists say you need to lean into that and, and work it out, not stray away from it. So again, with with just the stupidity of it all, the caucasity of it all, if you will.
4: Yeah, I, I just... I, it, it's like, y'all, seriously, these people are crazy um that's what they are all right i gotta go to a break um when we my goodness all right first off announced yesterday folks uh i partnered with mcdonald's uh to uh, give out fifteen thousand seven fifteen thousand dollar scholarships to hbcu juniors and seniors and so uh all you have to do folks is go to tmcf.org again if you go to a HPC, it does not matter if it's a Third Marshall College Fund, if it's a UNC of supported school, doesn't matter. Uh, you have all all of the guidelines there on the website. Uh, it is in honor of the 115th anniversary of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated and our founders, the seven Jewels. Uh, it's all there. Uh, and so uh, again, folks, uh, please be sure to uh, go there. And y'all, this is real money, okay? We're doing this because there are a lot of our students who when they hit become juniors and seniors, they can't afford to stay. And so many folks are not graduating. This, this is seven fifteen dollars scholarships. And so the deadline is February 28th. Uh, and so apply, don't sit here and act like, you know, it's like, oh, I'm gonna wait. No, apply uh, and let's actually make, uh, make this thing possible. Okay, folks? Uh, We'll be back on Roland Martin Unfiltered right here on the Black Star Network.
1: About hurting black folk. Right.
13: We gotta deal
6: with it. It's injustice. It's wrong.
11: I do feel like in this generation, we've got to do more around being intentional and in resolving conflict. You process. and I
14: always agree. Yeah. But we agree on
6: the big piece. Yeah. Now conflict is not about destruction.
8: Conflict's gonna happen.
3: Hi, I'm B.B. Winans. Hey, I'm Donnie Simpson. What's up? I'm Lance Gross, and you're watching Roland Martin
14: Unfiltered.
3: My name is Charlie Wilson.
8: Hi, I'm Sally
5: richardson
13: Whitfield, And I'm Dodger Whitfield. Hey, everybody, this is your man Fred Hammond, and you're watching Roland Martin, my
14: man, Unfiltered. <laughs>
4: Shout out, shout out to uh, Claflin University. Shout out to Claflin University. I'm rocking their gear today uh, here in Roland Martin Unfiltered. All right, y'all. President Joe is beginning his second year as president, and marijuana advocates say his campaign promises on marijuana, marijuana policy are unfulfilled. Uh, The creation of the Cannabis Administration and Opportunity Act is a positive step, but people like Dr. Shonda Macyus say Biden needs to do more. She joins me now from Washington, D.C. Shonda, glad to have you here. Uh, First and foremost, uh, uh, let me give folks uh, your title. Uh, So I I did not have it in the script. You're the founder of the National Holistic Healing Center, correct?
9: That is correct.
4: Okay. so all right. So let's talk about, uh, so, so what is the deal Uh, What more should he be doing and what did he promise when it came to cannabis while running?
9: Well, we really thought that there was going to be more activity in terms of the medical cannabis programs um, really expanding through the Biden administration. But what was really important is that, with that awareness that he brought during his campaign, we saw more states legalizing, um, more social equity programs so minorities like myself can go into multi-markets and to really start to expand our footprint in cannabis. But from there, what we saw is that we needed Need more of Congress and the White House to really coordinate better on legislation that will be sensible, common sense legislation, like the Safe Banking Act that we've been pushing for the last couple of years because I need access to capital. If I'm going to stay a viable small business operator, a Black woman in the space, and you know how hard it is for us to get a loan. Otherwise, I need to be able to get it through capital markets, and it's just been challenging. So, having sensible um, legislation like safe banking is imperative for me just to stay in the industry. The other thing I want to say, Roland, that's No, no, really-
4: but hold on, hold on, before you go there. So, but on that point, you're talking about what President Biden should be doing, but what is Congress doing? First of all, where does that bill stand in the House? Where does it stand in the Senate?
9: Yeah, there's still much debate. We had um, a lot of our congressional leaders that I've spoke to firsthand um, debating some of that um, those policies. Now, the, the question is that who is it going to benefit? And for me, as a black woman who's an operator, it's going to help me have access to capital markets. I'm in multiple states right now with my operations, and it's really hard to have them funding. I bootstrap most of my um, operations day to day. And where you see other companies, public and private, raising multi millions for a forty billion dollar industry, and I am just begging for entry level funding.
4: No, oh, this this is the thing that um, that we've been you know talking about, um, Matt. That that one of the problems when we talk about this very issue is, is how. Uh, the, the, the dispensaries are being handed out. How, in many of these states, African Americans are not even participating in the process. How California's had the issues, Illinois has had them. Uh, you had the Black Caucus in New Jersey who said, "We ain't approving a damn thing unless y'all make sure that Black folks are getting a piece of this." We were most impacted by anybody uh, when it came to the marijuana laws, uh, and so um, you know, you know, th- th- this is just this is just one of those things that uh, you know, getting a dispensary is one thing, but the bottom line is if you don't have the resources to be able uh to uh to grow it's like any uh, any other industry when we're locked out of the money no ability to build capacity
9: we're locked out the markets and not only that role what's important here is that you also have a population of African American men, you have people who were patients that went to prison. And so, if we don't implement some type of clemency program, expungement, or pardon programs, it's not fair to send a patient to prison. And there is no way to fix that wrong that was done to that returning citizen.
7: Matt, um, question, comment? Well, first, thank you for joining us, Dr. Macias. And, and the question I have is, what is the movement in terms of uh, finding, I guess, a, a resolution to the schizophrenia that we have in terms of there being a different patchwork of rules as it relates to the states and the feds? What is the Biden administration doing to give basically assurance that all citizens have the same access to uh, cannabis and, and its life-saving um, you know, qualities?
9: So we haven't seen much movement on that side. And I think that is the topic of our discussion now. But what I can say is what we need and what we're really um, requesting, not only the Biden administration, but Congress to step forward and have just common sense policy around cannabis possession, treating cannabis as medicine, and really a health care need for hundreds of thousands of people.
4: Uh, Kelly.
9: Hi,
8: again. Thank you for coming on the show. Um, Regarding marijuana um, and cannabis in general, I think it would help the audience and others to understand exactly the many benefits... Of cannabis, um, so that it doesn't look like people are just kind of wanting to smoke just for the sake of smoking. So, if you could expound on just some of the many benefits of cannabis and why it should be integrated into society, such as any other type of um, herbal supplement, that'd be great.
9: Yeah, definitely. And that's where a lot of my business really focused on is the education of cannabis. I have helped patients, thousands of patients, um, really find the right strain and form of medicine that helps them with their health care needs. So, whether it's cancer, epilepsy, pain, autism adhd there are different methods, medicines in cannabis that have been formulated to really address the different healthcare needs in our society
4: michael
3: dr massage thanks for coming on and uh shedding light on this topic um, in the infrastructure bill the 1.2 trillion dollar infrastructure bill it, it uh it contains language that is meant to promote marijuana research can you talk a little bit about that, and then also when you talk about Congress, um, have you talked to any of the members of the Congressional Black Caucus, and what, what um, have they given you any advice on on moving uh, the momentum to get this get the uh, the bills passed through uh, Congress?
9: Yeah, so let's talk about really what it looks like to be um, a victim on the war on drugs. So when you think about um, where a patient really saw the healthcare care need um, f- to use cannabis and it was illegal. They did it because they had access to that medicine. And so now we look at how it actually served as a pipeline to prison. In that pipeline to prison, if you then block research and you can deny people the visibility of the healthcare benefits of cannabis and use it really to promote the PL sheet of a private or a public prison system, um, you're making a lot of money. And when you start to systemically break down that pipeline and look like look at it and how it can impact our economy, whether it's law enforcement the legal workforce, um, and you think about all the mandatory minimums put in place, probable cause, arrests actually starting from um, minors and building that prison system all the way up into incarceration, and all the vendors that actually sustain the prison system, you will understand why legalization or the denial of research has happened, because it's a big-money business. The war on drugs, really funded a $40 billion prison system and um, pipeline that I consider is slavery 2.0. We couldn't get free labor from us, so then let's just make money on us and our lives in a different way. And that's what's been happening. So, yes, I have spoken to Cory Booker. Less than a month ago, um, Troy Carter out of Louisiana has been pivotal to this message and pushing this movement ahead. We have to do something for our community to prepare and make sure that our future generations are not impacted like our past. I'm fighting for health care, but I'm also fighting for my son's freedom. I don't want him to go to prison because he chooses cannabis as medicine.
3: Michael. Uh, I just asked a question.
4: Uh, well, actually, we'll talk about this here, Mike. I want you to bring up what's happening in Michigan, because y'all having the same problem in okay. Michigan when it comes to dispensaries.
3: Yeah. Um, well, well, here in Detroit, uh, where I live, we see with the dispensaries, um, we see them disproportionately going to white people, uh, mm-hmm. the dispensaries. So that's that's one of the issues here um, in Michigan. And I remember uh, you, you, we had the bill a few years ago. It was about, probably about two or three years ago uh, that passed, uh, the state legislature signed a law and it dealt with um, treating marijuana like alcohol, okay? Um, But it has to be, we've we've made these advancements on the state level, but at the federal level, as Dr. Masias is saying, it's really critical because with the dispensaries, for instance, they can't open up bank accounts and deposit the money that they make from the dispensary into bank accounts because of federal regulations all right? And then one of the other things that I think is really important for us to understand how to navigate through, uh, as somebody that used to um, be involved in a job matching company and helped a lot of African-Americans gain employment, and we had a lot of people who could not pass drug tests, how do we navigate as uh, states pass laws to for recreational marijuana, but at the same time, You still have restrictions on uh, when it comes to employment, because a lot of jobs may still require you to uh, be able to pass a drug test. Okay, how do we navigate that as well? So we have different things coming together at the same time. And you have to have this change at the federal level as well, because if it's not changed at the federal level, it's going to cripple um, African-American owned businesses and dispensaries uh, when they deal with federal regulations
9: definitely so if you think about the first part of your question which is how it impacts black businesses in the cannabis industry there's only less than 4% of minority ownership in the cannabis business now, now, hold on, hold on. and hello you
4: said minority mm-hmm. what's the black number that minority is there but well that's the black number <laughs> got it 4% black 4% black. Yeah, cause on this show, we specific. So when we hear minority, <laughs> that's everybody. So we, we, we real specific on Black.
9: We're real specific on black, and um, and there's less than 4%. And then this is a nationwide phenomenon. So if you think about what that looks like um, on the micro level, you look at Michigan. But not only Michigan, you look at Maryland, you look at D.C., you look at um, you know other states. This is reflective in all numbers. We're not represented. And those mm-hmm. licenses go to those that usually can show proof of funds, the funds we don't have access to. We have been denied generational wealth. We have the knowledge. We have the education. And when we look for funding, we don't have it, and we're not allowed to have licenses because of it. Again, it's a systemic issue that has been plaguing our community. So, then you go and ask the question, federally, what can we do? Well, federally, we need to protect minority-owned businesses, whether they're um, cannabis or plant-touching or not. We need the assistance to be able to come up with funding sources so that we can actually participate in the $40 billion program.
4: All right, then. Well, look, we certainly appreciate it. Thanks a bunch. Uh, We'll keep uh, looking out uh, to see what happens uh, with this uh, story as well.
9: All right. Thank you,
4: Roland. Thank Uh, you, team. All right, folks. Uh, Yesterday, we were talking about uh, priorities uh, of uh, President Joe Biden. And one of the things that's critically important, uh, Biden has appointed eight black women uh, to the federal, uh, first of all, to key federal bench positions, which equals a total number of black women to ever serve on the federal bench. But it doesn't stop there. Uh, Biden's 83 federal appointees, 24 have been black and 62 judges have been women. That's something, Kelly, that, uh, you know, people are talking about, oh, you know, he hasn't done anything. Uh, You can't act like that doesn't exist.
8: Not only can you not act like it doesn't exist, you can't act like it doesn't matter, because it absolutely does. Just because you are not um, directly affected by the justice system does not mean (laughs) that it is not an important uh, aspect to the American system as a whole, um, when when you have diversity on the bench, you have that means you have experience, diverse experience on the bench. And when everybody's not a white man, that means that those who aren't can understand the plight of those on either side of of the bench, be it you know plaintiff or defendant or prosecution or defense. And when you have that kind of perspective, you have a lot more uh, cases that have a fairer outcome and a more equitable outcome, such that, you know, the justice system will actually work in our favor. So I applaud Biden for doing this, not, you know, taking anything away from him and certainly not... giving him anything more than he deserves. Like, there's definitely more work that needs to be done, but this is an excellent step in the right direction towards diversifying our justice system so that it works for everyone involved.
4: And Matt, for the people who go, okay, man, this is no big deal, well, guess what? Republicans sure understand how vital those federal uh, nominations are, those federal appointees, and these are lifetime appointees.
14: Mm -hmm. Right.
7: They serve forever. And I'm glad you said that. To give an example to the viewers, Judge Carlton Reeves, a black man in Mississippi, wrote a 72-page opinion, uh, I guess in 2020, about qualified immunity. So when you talk about police uh, reform and when you talk about wanting to make strides, for instance, in qualified immunity, it's important to have judges with lived experience who can write an opinion that says, we all know that this doctrine is bogus and we know that this doctrine needs to be removed. And the reality is, a black woman is going to understand that a lot more than a lot of other people who are serving on the bench. So this is incredibly important. And as somebody who practices in front of federal judges every day, I need those federal judges to have lived experience. And I think these black women and the, the ones to come after will be imperative to really making sure our justice system is fairer.
4: And, and it's so hilarious, uh, uh, Michael. I've got some fool, uh, Lane Rollins, uh, in, in the, uh, in the chat talking about Roland, uh, focus on brown people, people of color. Fool, what the hell you think we're talking about right now? We're talking about black people. <laughs> I mean, I mean it, but this, 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 is, like, this is the stupidity that drives me crazy. We are literally talking about black federal judges, okay? You're talking about Donald Trump? Nearly 90% of the federal judges he appointed were white. Mm-hmm. Were white. I think, right. that I think I think after four years, I think it was two. Right, maybe, one was from Flint. M- Michigan. Maybe three black mm-hmm. judges appointed in four years. In four right. years. One out of 226. Year, in, out of
3: 226. Uh, 226 in mm-hmm. one year,
4: Biden has has named 24 black judges, eight of them Absolute. women.
3: You, well, you know, Roland, this this is a perfect example of how um, oftentimes the talking points that African Americans get from social media one, they don't understand. Two, they don't understand things like this and why this is so important. These are lifetime appointments. Donald Trump uh, nominated about either one quarter or one third of the federal judges, and then uh, three Supreme Court judges with the help of Moscow Mitchell. 25%. 25%. You, got, 25%.
4: you
3: got about 800.
4: Yeah, you got about eight hundred yep. or so federal judges, but you also have those right. who are retired who still hear cases. Uh, he appointed twenty five percent of the entire federal judiciary. In fact, the right. Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, which is considered the most liberal, they now have a majority conservative.
3: Mm-hmm. On the Ninth, circuit. right, exactly. And then if you if you look at uh, 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 somebody like Mariselby, out of uh, who was up uh, for a uh, Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals that is also over Chicago, uh, she was nominated by President Barack Obama in 2016. Her nomination was blocked by Mitch McConnell. They did not give her a hearing, okay, just like uh, they did Merrick Garland. Then, when Donald Trump became president, who did they uh, 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 fill her seat with? They filled her seat with Amy Coney Barrett, which then put Amy Coney Barrett on the trajectory to get pushed through to the U.S. Supreme Court. These, play- these people are playing grandmaster-level chess. We're playing beginner's checkers and don't even understand all the rules to checkers. So this is something extremely important. Once again, this is the role of the president, but you need the Senate, you need control of the Senate to get these federal judges confirmed. That's why- This is one of the reasons why the Senate and maintaining control of the Senate is so important as well.
4: Yep, and so, uh, yeah, so for the people, and, 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 and again, uh, before I go to break, let me, like, connect this dot right here. And, Matt, I want you to speak to it. All y'all bitching and moaning about, man, this really ain't no big deal. L- let me explain something to y'all. When the conservatives sued the Affordable Care Act, mm-hmm. that went through the federal judiciary. It, a federal judge just struck down the Biden vaccine mandate for businesses. I grew up in Texas. I, what, do you know what's burned in my head? The name William Wayne Justice. Why in the hell would I have burned into my brain the name of a white federal judge in Texas? Because he was the one who ruled Uh, how decrepit, degrading, and shameful the Texas prison system was, and he had oversight of the Texas prison system for more than two decades. I grew up watching news, and all I would hear, Judge William Wayne Justice, Judge William Wayne Justice, a federal judge, Reuben Hurricane Carter, was Mm -hmm. convicted in a state court, yet it was a federal judge who chose to listen, who actually ignored the precedent and chose to listen to the new evidence and freed Reuben Hurricane Carter. I can go on and on about the importance, the role that federal judges play when it comes to class action lawsuits, when it comes to right. police brutality, when it comes to all kind of stuff, but for all these dumbasses out there hollering, oh, man, these judges ain't really know that that ain't really nothing that benefiting black people, you have got to be stuck on stupid
7: and out of your mind. Well, go ahead, man. Well, oh. you You said it, brother. I don't even need to say anything beyond this. Let me tell you the role of judges. I live in Texas, as you know, and I practice in the Fifth Circuit. If I try a case in the Fifth Circuit or file a case in the Fifth Circuit, what can happen to my client here is completely different than what will happen in the Ninth Circuit. Why is that? Because there are completely different judges. So when the president appoints judges, it's crucial because that can potentially level the playing field so that people all across America have a better access to justice. And they're going to serve forever. Your normal state judge is going to be subject to potentially being voted out of office or reappointed, depending on the state that you live in. But the federal judges serve until they either choose to retire or until they pass away. So somebody being put on the bench has decades of consequences, which is why it's so important to make sure that, you know, the president is appointing good people with lived experience.
3: Uh,
4: Absolutely. All right, folks, got to go to a break. We come back. Our black and missing of the day and we got some other stories to talk about plus we'll be taking your phone calls uh hopefully we have the issues sorted out in terms of our phone lines so we can take your phone calls you're watching roland martin unfiltered on the black star network back in a moment.
1: Hello, I'm Bishop TDJ.
4: What up, Lana Well, and you are watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. The 17-year-old is described as 5 feet 4 inches tall, weighing 145 pounds, with brown hair and brown eyes. If you have any information regarding Adora, please call the Philadelphia Police Department at 215-686-8477, 215-686-8477. A jury has been selected in the federal trial of three former Minneapolis police officers involved in the murder of George Floyd. J. Alexander King, Thomas Lane, and Tao Thao are charged with depriving Floyd of his civil rights while acting under government authority, as Derek Chauvin used his knee to pin Floyd the street in 2020 federal prosecutors will have to prove the officers intentionally violated Floyd's liberty without due process and unlawfully seized him during jury selection the judge stressed that Chauvin's conviction on state murder charges and his guilty plea to a federal civil rights violation should not influence the proceedings opening statements will begin on monday in Oklahoma, a judge revokes the bond of a white businessman accused of killing his black employee. Judge Susan Worthington revoked the bond of Daniel Triplett on Friday after prosecutors say he visited a bank drive through and a local Waffle House in violation of his bond conditions. Worthington allowed Triplett to be released on a $500,000 bond last month over the objection of prosecutors and the victim's family. Uh, Triplet is accused of murdering and burying Brent Mack under a septic tank in September. An attorney for the victim's family says he believes Triplet was granted bond because he is a prominent white businessman accused of killing a black man. This—that's the thing that again we talk about uh, when we see these, you know, cases. Uh, Matt, that's just crazy. You go, how in the world? And, and look, and in fact, that guy was only
7: put in jail because of protest. He was... He was out and about, chilling. He was, and I'm glad to see that this judge didn't give any leeway on the bond restrictions. I mean, if you get bond on a major case like murder, you really got to step tight. And if you don't, I'm glad that they uh, they revoked his Hello? bond. Hello? can you hear me?
4: Uh, yeah, we hear you guys. Y'all... It's going over the air. Y'all talking off-air, please. Matt, keep
3: going.
7: I was just saying that I'm glad that the, the judge held him to task because he got bond in a major case, and. If, he revoked, if that bond was not followed, he should have that bond revoked. But I also want to commend the, the victim's attorney. That's the same attorney who is leading the uh, Justice for Greenwood lawsuit, and they're doing some really wonderful work there. So Mr. Simmons and his team, I want to shout them out.
4: Um, you know we just sit here and we, we go through this over and over and over again, and Kelly. When we look at these cases here, and, and I just keep saying, you know, black people end up getting killed by all these white folks, and we gotta, oh my God, we gotta, we gotta frankly, it's amazing they, they holler, oh, you burn stuff down. Well, hell, you, you don't you don't listen to us any other way. You don't get anybody's like, you gotta do something crazy to get these people's attention to get basic, simple justice, to get somebody arrested.
8: And Again, like you said, if you didn't have such an injustice in this system constantly, we wouldn't have to feel like we have to burn things down. We wouldn't have to feel like we need to riot every single time something like this happens. It should not be an anomaly, cases like George Floyd and Ahmaud Aubrey That should be the norm. But because we are so used to the injustice, because we are so used to being oppressed, we don't even have the the... The wherewithal we don't have, we can't conceptualize an actual a justice system that actually uh, affirms us and makes sure that we are also protected.
3: Michael, yeah, Roland, you know this is some more white privilege. Um, I mean, triplet was spotted going through the uh, bank drive-through. I mean, he didn't think that apparently he didn't think he had to uh, follow the stipulations of the five hundred thousand bond he had to post. So—and and once again, I'm glad the judge revoked his bond, but this is an example of how judges matter as well. Judges matter also. So um, hopefully this—you know, this is a heinous—he's uh, accused of heinous crimes. He's innocent to proven guilty, but hopefully uh, this brother who was killed and his family get justice.
4: Uh, absolutely. All right, folks, we go to Illinois where homeowners can finally get racist language removed from their property deeds. A new law went into effect on January 1st, allowing homeowners with discriminatory language in their deeds to file a restrictive covenant modification for $10 with the state's attorney. The state's attorney will then have 30 days to review the claim, approve the file the modification to the deed. The request... Of course, also can be denied the 1948 Shelley versus Kramer case. The U.S. Supreme Court found restrictive covenants in property deeds that prohibited property sales to people of color violated the 14th Amendment. Mm, Again, what it means to be black in America. All right, y'all, several black Mississippi lawmakers. uh, Remember we were talking about critical race theory Um, and how they they walked out uh, when a, a vote was taken. So watch this video.
13: Roll call has been requested. Six or more to stand. I'm sorry, final passage. My apologies. Final passage. Roll will be taken. Mr. Clerk, please call the roll.
14: Barnett, Barrett, Blackman, Blackwell, Blunt, Boyd. Branning, Bryan, Butler, up to 36, Butler to 38, Carter, Kaufman, Chasenall, Chisholm, Debar, Delano, England, Fillingame, Frazier.
4: Mississippi, uh, of course, the Republicans they have a bill that, that that so-called bans critical race theory in the schools. All 14 black Democratic state senators withheld their votes when they walked out. However, the bill still passed 32 to 2, with two white Democratic senators voting against the bill. Uh, look, this is the thing that uh, has to happen. Now, y'all, check this out. It gets better. Senator Michael McClendon introduced the bill because he wanted to ensure no child is taught they are superior or inferior to another but when asked by Senator Derek Simmons if critical race theory was being taught,
14: well, you, you, you know what happened. Do we, do we teach science in our schools? Yes, sir. Should we teach science in our schools accurately?
0: Absolutely. What about race and
14: racism? Should we teach race and racism in our schools
0: accurately? Uh, I believe we're doing that, and this bill is not changing the way uh anything about our past okay. the, all this bill says that, that no child shall be told that they're superior or inferior to another that's all this bill does
14: okay so all the history in the state of mississippi all the way up to the changing of the state flag all of that still can be taught in our schools with the passes of this bill yes sir and how we got to the point that we got to in 2020 when we change the flag, we can also teach the true history about that in our schools if this bill becomes law.
0: That is my intent, yes, sir. Okay. All this bill does is no child is superior or inferior to another, and we should not teach that, that someone is. Okay. The horrific thing that happened to Mamie
14: Teal's son Can we teach that in our schools with the passage of this bill?
0: Absolutely, I watched the the movie last night, as a matter of fact. Okay, and
14: the fact of how civil rights workers came to this state from all over the country to help African-Americans to enjoy the full rights of citizenship, we we can still teach that in our schools if this bill becomes law.
0: This bill says, No child should be told that they are superior to any other, regardless of their sex or race or religion or ethnicity. It's very
14: simple. And and Senator, I will end like I started. Have you identified one teacher, one school district, anywhere in the state of Mississippi where this is happening?
0: I have not personally. No, sir. Thank you, Senator. Thank you, Mr. President. I I
4: just get a kick out of these silly-ass bills. We just want to make sure that no child is taught that they are superior or inferior to another child. No, we know exactly what they're trying to do, Michael
3: trying to galvanize <laughs> they're trying to galvanize their base for 2022 cuz they're not pushing any bills that benefit these white people that keep putting them in office. If you if you look here at the article now the bill is titled critical race theory but the text of the bill does not mention critical race theory at all. If you ask any of those uh, uh Republican uh, Re- Republicans in Mississippi what critical race theory is, they can't tell you. OK, and then it says uh, the, the bill says that any sex, race, ethnicity, uh, you cannot teach that any sex, race or ethnicity is inherently superior or inferior or that individuals should be adversely treated on the basis of their sex, race or ethnicity. Now, what teacher is teaching that uh, the child, a particular child is inferior, a particular child is superior, something like this? This is this. This is a, a, a solution looking for a problem. This stuff doesn't exist okay so we we so once again this is going to be see see these efforts are funded by dark money okay these efforts are funded by right wing think tanks things like this and they're using this as well as the voter suppression bills to galvanize their base to come out and win 2022 and 2024 we got to fight against this uh, I, I just, I, I just get get a big kick out of out of uh, how
4: these people play the game, uh, uh, Kelly. So you put critical race theory in in the title, but you don't mention it in the end of bill. We know what the hell you're doing.
3: Mm-hmm.
8: I, and I don't know if this has been addressed on your show or anywhere really. I don't understand how these bills are still being upheld by law because to me they are vague and overbroad, and that is a violation of your First Amendment rights. So you cannot have a bill such that is so vague and overbroad that it stifles your your right to free speech. So how is this a constitutional bill? How is it being upheld? And you can't even enact upon it. You can't enforce something like this. So I don't even understand why this bill is in existence. But aside from that, The fact that they're saying, quote, any sex, race, ethnicity is inherently inferior or superior, that you cannot teach that, but that's been taught for years across the Bible Belt and nationwide by way of how these textbooks are set up in the first place regarding whiteness and white supremacy. If you look in history books right now, or I shouldn't say right now because I haven't been in school, but when I was growing up, we had history books that depicted Egyptians as white. Like lily white. And the, uh, slaves or the enslaved in these books were depicted as the darkest of skin, you know? So you can't say that we are not having this, uh, debate as to who's inferior in, uh, you know, inferior or superior. You can't have something like that, uh, being discussed if you're not going to talk about the books already in place that already imply that whiteness is superior. So unless you're going to take those books out, this book, this law is uh, null and void. And frankly, it by the looks of it, it's unconstitutional.
7: Matt, your thoughts? Yeah, I don't like going after Michael and Kelly because they answer the question so fully. I don't have too much to add beyond hit dogs, holler, And critical race theory has become a dog whistle for everybody who's trying to run for president or otherwise some other office in the next cycle. That's all it comes down to. I'll say I don't even know that they care that the bill is actually passed. What they want to be able to do is put those who are feeling some kind of way, particularly white people, obviously, put them at ease by saying, I see you, I feel you, and I'm going to make it such that people can't make you feel bad about the actual history of our country. Uh, So that's what it is. It's a dog whistle. Most of them don't even understand what critical race theory is. And frankly, I don't know how much they care. They just want to galvanize the support, as Michael said, uh, very early.
4: Absolutely. All right, folks, I got to go to break. We come back. We're going to talk about our education matters segment. Homeschooling is an option for for an increasing number of African-Americans. Plus, taking your phone calls. No topic, whatever you want to talk about, we're here uh, to take your phone calls. That is next, right here, Roller Martin Unfiltered of the Black Star Network.
13: Aretha and I met as a result of a friend of mine named Ben Vereen. She was standing in the mirror in front of, you know, the lights go around the star mirrors, mm-hmm. and dressed in white and getting ready to perform. And she was standing up and she saw my reflection in the mirror. She, Gave a little, ah, you know. And I, I gave a little. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> the mutual admiration. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure, for sure. And she expressed at that time that she wanted to. Uh, she had moved to California and she wanted to take the lessons in acting. She wanted to do some acting. And I was, t- like I said, I teach. Right. You know, I was. I've been teaching for 12 years. You know. And, and uh, so I said, well, I teach acting. And if you want, come come down to my classes. One evening, class was very disruptive. They were all at the window. You know, I hey, get back here. You know, come on, we got a class. What are you doing? A limousine just pulled up. You know, a lady got out in a fur coat. <laughs> she walked into the class. And my first reaction was, you're late. <laughs> and you told she, the queen she was late. Yeah, she was. You wouldn't let her know, I'm a teacher. I'm, and I'm serious. And I think that's what she came to find out. Was I serious? And uh, I was. And so we became serious. It's serious now where you got married. That's as serious as it gets.
9: Chrisette Michelle. Hi, I'm Chaley Rose and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered.
4: folks. Uh, a growing number of black families have started teaching their kids at home. The uh, course the COVID pandemic and the growing concern of racism in schools are a couple of reasons for the dramatic increase. The Census Bureau's Household Pulse survey found in April of 2020, 3% of black households homeschooled their children. By October 2020, it was up to 16%. Those numbers may not be completely accurate, the Bureau noted, because a lot of children were learning at home in 2020 due to COVID. So part Uh, Way through the survey period, the homeschooling question was expanded to clarify that homeschoolers did not include children enrolled in public or private school. Even so, the numbers signal a significant increase. Jennifer Duckworth and Yolanda Chandler, co founders of Black Homeschoolers of Birmingham, join me right now. How y'all doing? So,
9: uh, how are you?
4: Doing great. So, why did um, y'all first of all, when did you start? Make the decision to homeschool your children. Why'd you start this uh, organization?
11: Okay, well, thank you for having us. Well, I started homeschooling. I have two sets of kids. The first set, we started homeschooling when black homeschoolers were really an anomaly. Uh, so back in 2005, we did that all the way until my kids were um, seniors in high school, juniors, and almost a senior in high school. And then I had another set of children. And we've been homeschooling for about four years now.
12: Yes, and we started homeschooling when my son was going into kindergarten. He's in fifth grade now, and we have three kids. Um, One is in third grade, and my youngest is in kindergarten. And we started because we just wanted the opportunity to build a solid foundation for them that we could trust.
4: Uh, Now, now obviously, um, a lot is required to homeschool. Uh, that means one of the parents is not working. Uh, that means, and so for folks out there who are single, how does that work? Uh, does it have to be the parent? Um, could someone actually, let's say, have, if they, wanted, if they have the resources, hire a tutor to homeschool their child? How, how, how do the rules work?
11: Well, it actually depends on homeschool is governed by each individual state. There is no federal mandate for homeschooling. So it's actually each parent, if you're interested in homeschooling, what we advise them to do is check the laws within their state. Uh, Here in Alabama, uh, really homeschooling is about an individual choice for family members. So even though we may outsource uh, certain subjects, it's really difficult when you're talking about sending your child to someone else to homeschool, because really the importance of the homeschool, we always say family first, school second. So the whole idea of homeschooling is not to get uh, traditional education in the sense as if you're sending your kid off to be taught by someone else, but the parent has lots of involvement with the child and is able to uh, pick up on that child's strengths and weaknesses and really ignite what their passions are. So if a single person or someone who wants to homeschool, we would really suggest that they first look at the laws within their state and then reach out from there. Questions
4: from the panel. Let's see. Um, I'll start with Matt. So I I don't want Matt to follow Kelly and Michael. (laughs) Go ahead.
7: Thank you, Roland. I appreciate that. Uh, Thank you, sisters, for joining us. The quick question I had is, are there federal or state monies that you've seen in Alabama or otherwise that black families can utilize to subsidize the cost of homeschooling? So books or resources, are there monies out there, if I'm interested in doing this, that will help me defray the cost I might have to teach my children at home?
11: Well, there's no, as I said before, because there's no federal mandate for homeschooling, it's really an individual choice. So when a family chooses to homeschool, they're really opting out of all of those free resources and the things that um, you would generally get if you were in a public school setting. The great thing about the pandemic, if we could say that there was anything great about the pandemic, because, of course, you know, it was very stressful and traumatic for all of us. But one of the things that came out of homeschooling for homeschooling families was that, because the entire country was homeschooling at a certain point in a sense. So there were a lot of things that families who traditionally homeschooled before the pandemic, we had to pay for, (laughs) but we uh, were able to take advantage of all the things that were free. But one of the things that I would advise anyone who's interested in homeschooling is, Don't jump into thinking that you have to spend hundreds or even thousands of dollars to homeschool. If you have a library card, if you have access to a computer, if you have access to um, members within your community who are willing to talk to your kids, those are great starters. So it doesn't really cost a whole lot to homeschool if that's what you decide to do. Homeschooling, of course, is big business, but just like anything else, you don't have to put the horse before the cart. You can uh, homeschool with uh, the minimal amount of money spent. You can get your uh, friendly with your local librarians as we have. We spend a lot of time in our local libraries. There's lots of free resources that you can get in that way.
12: And one thing I might add is the reason why we started the Black Homeschoolers of Birmingham is because Yolanda and I were looking for a community that fit our cultural needs. And from the past three years that we have been together, we have had families to step up and actually say, well, hey, I can create a design class, or hey, I can create a debate class, or hey, I can create a music class. So that in itself creates what some might consider a community co-op, and the resources are not as expensive Um, because it's in-house within our own community, and it helps offset the cost, and also, it helps with community and the social aspect that most people are hesitant about when it comes to homeschooling. So we've had a lot of success, and we're so grateful for our our moms and fathers that volunteer within our community.
3: Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Michael. All right, hello, uh, Jennifer and Yolanda. This is Michael M. Hotep, so thanks for coming on today. Uh, Michael, you gonna do a, a whole
4: damn introduction, man. Ask a question. No, I'm, I'm <laughs> asking
3: the question. Well, Michael, I, I, ask the question. I, 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 we're rolling, I talked about them. Uh, Michael, like, but, but you gonna do a whole da- I, da- we got no, it. No, I'm not, I'm rolling, <laughs> rolling, come on. I've I, already I, I said your
4: name. Only thing your ass didn't give was your Zodiac sign.
3: It's Gemini, but Don't let them do like that, Michael. Damn, now ask the question. What type of resources do you all use uh, when you teach, like, history, science? Because that's one of the problems. I I speak at a a black homeschooling expo usually each year. And this is one of the problems that uh, parents have, trying to find resources, curriculums, things like that, especially when it deals with history. So what type of uh, advice can you give?
12: Well, I could say that, like Yolanda said, we utilize our library a lot. And we have actually started working with our local library to create programs that are specifically for our culture, um, the black and brown community. And they have been so amazing about saying, well, what is it that you need? And we actually did a, a field trip where we took a tour of our local library and the librarian told us about the online resources that were available to us. All you had to have is a library card, as well as the in-house resources like um, the 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 homeschool section that they have. Like that's another thing. When Yolanda was talking, curriculum is something that we like to say is a tool. So you need to learn what your goal and your vision is for your family and the environment that you want to set up for your children and your family before you just hop into any kind of curriculum, because that's how you lose money, because you're like, oh, my gosh, this doesn't work. Oh, my goodness. I don't like this. I don't even want to teach it. And so therefore, you've wasted like six weeks of your your study time when you could have gone to the library or you could have gone to your local Barnes and Nobles, picked out a book, saw if it worked for your family. And if it didn't, you could say, oh, well, that was a library book, so we can return it. And it was not as much in our pocket because like Yolanda said, we do have to fund that. And if we have those resources, then that helps a lot with the learning process.
11: And let me just add, my first year homeschooling with my oldest son, I had no idea what I was doing, but I knew that he was struggling in school and that I needed to do things differently. So what we did was we focused on two subject areas, um, math and reading. So I went to Barnes and Noble and I got a workbook. We uh, took our time, we worked through that. There's a great program uh, online that you can go to that's free, that provides free uh, math resources, uh, and and that's what we did. I didn't know any different. I just knew that my son needed some undivided attention that he wasn't getting in the private school that I was spending so much money sending him to. So I just took my time with him, and that's the beauty of homeschooling. That it's a journey, so we don't have to cram everything into one, you know, one school year or separating it into semesters or nine weeks or whatever. It's a, it's really a journey. So if my child really needs extra help with math, then I can take my time and I can do that and I can zero in on the areas that he needs and not just going through an entire. Um, workbook or an entire textbook because someone else says that this is what my child is supposed to be learning at this stage.
12: And I might add just real quick that that's the beauty of our homeschool community where I have a Yolanda in my life. I have several other moms who are older in the homeschool um, journey and they can say, girl, please, do not even waste your time. And and (laughs) then they might also say, we had a lot that we learned from this particular book or workbook or system, and it helps um, a lot just for us to kind of go on that
8: journey and we're not alone.
4: Kelly, no zodiac signs.
8: (laughs) No zodiac signs. Um, But I will say... um, my experience with homeschooling is, is a little attenuated in that I did have, I have family members who have been homeschooled um, and it works. It, just plain as day it works. But I do have questions regarding exactly how it works for, and honestly, it, it's different for everyone. But can you expound upon how to incorporate um, if you incorporate standardized testing? into uh, your curriculum for your kids um, and in the homeschooling co-op that you have, how important is that? Um, and I ask because of the pathway to colleges and things like that, how does that work for those who have, sure. been, in ho- who have been homeschooled? Also, I am aware of some online resources like K12.com. How, how do you incorporate that into your curriculum with your kids if you do it at all?
11: Well, k12.com is actually public school, uh, an, an online public school. It's not really what we consider homeschooling. Yeah, yeah. So the yeah, whole yeah, idea of homeschooling uh, is that. Hold on,
4: hold, on hold on one second. So, so K 12 uh, is actually an online charter school. Uh, oh, in, so in various okay. states so that's not that's not considered uh homeschooling uh i've actually because i actually actually did that for my nieces uh, they are a publicly traded right. company as well uh homeschoolers right. is, is individualized uh households not tied to a network like they are that's nationwide go ahead
11: Right. So the idea of standardized testing, it really does not come into play until um, perhaps when you're getting into the the high school level. I have a senior in in college right now and a junior, um, and they were both successful being able to uh, get accepted to multiple schools, and actually the schools were um, trying to recruit them. And that's the thing that we really want people to understand is that, Getting into college is not something that homeschoolers have difficulty doing. In fact, colleges seek out homeschoolers because they've stepped away from a traditional learning and they are independent learners, they think critically, they are problem solvers, they have experience with speaking with um, their peers and older adults, Whereas, and, and most of them go into college already knowing what path that they want to do. So when we think about having to do standardized testing, uh, we don't teach to a test or anything like that. We teach our children holistically. Uh, We try to ignite their passions early so they'll know exactly what kind of school, if that's their career path or whether they want to pursue entrepreneurship or vocational training or anything like that. But a lot of times, as I said before, the colleges are really looking for homeschoolers because homeschoolers generally outperform their public school counterparts. So with my, in my personal experience, my daughter and my son had no problem with taking uh, the ACT or the SAT um, or doing a writing sample. In fact, my daughter was admitted without test scores for the the, uh, school that she's attending in Birmingham. She's at one of the top liberal arts colleges here in Birmingham. Uh, She was admitted without test scores. Uh, We did a portfolio of all the things that she had done throughout her uh, high school experience. We did some writing samples and they were very excited to have her on campus.
12: And I might also add, like, one of the um, programs that we have in our community is a um, the Neighbor Foundation's Kids Debate Club. And that's from ages second grade all the way up to high school. And every month we have a debate. And it's fun stuff like cookies versus cupcakes, or we just recently did kettle corn versus popcorn. But what we have seen from that program is it allows the students to practice their persuasive writing. It allows the students to also talk with people from the community because the judges are actually upstanding people from the community, like judges and um, CEOs of different corporations coming in to judge their um, debate. And then the students have an opportunity to try to persuade them. Well, we've taken students that are completely shy to being profound speakers public speakers, and that's part of uh, the homeschooling um, curriculum and the way that we teach, because we see that there's something that our child is interested in, and we go off of that, and we help them to develop those dreams and goals that they may have in a way that's fitting to their needs.
4: All right, folks. Uh, I appreciate it. Jennifer, Yolanda, thank you so very much. Uh, Co-founders of the Homeschoolers of Birmingham. Thanks a lot. Thank, Thank you. you. All right, folks. Uh, now it's time to go to the phone lines. Uh, remember what I said uh, those of you uh, who uh, are members of our Brenda Funk fan club, you uh, can call in, uh, share your thoughts, any of the subjects we talked about today. Uh, you can certainly weigh in. Let's go to uh, Tina Banks from Ohio. Hey, Tina. Hi,
10: this is Tina Bain from Ohio. Thank you for having me. I watch your show all the time. I pay the bill like it's a water bill. Thank
4: you. <laughs> I appreciate it. What's on your mind?
10: I wanted to tell you that uh, we're going to have a great big uh, voting activity this uh, summer in Hamilton County. to try to get Tim Ryan. And uh, uh, we have a, uh, the Congressional District. I'm the Congressional District 1. And it might be where we can uh, flip that seat from Steve Shabbat to Greg Lansman, he's going to be running in that district, hopefully when we get the redistricting back from the Supreme Court. So I was want to see if you wanted to come and see if we want to try to make a world record.
4: Uh, well, first of all, send us an email. We'll take a look at the dates. Uh, I text uh, Tim Ryan all the time. I certainly have been watching the Ohio uh, Senate race. I talked to uh, Alicia Reese uh, a lot as well. So certainly uh, shoot me an email and we'll see what happens.
10: All
5: right. Well, I appreciate that. Thank
10: okay. you. I love the
4: show. All right. Thank you so very much. I appreciate that. All right. Let's go to uh, Alton Williams. Alton Williams, uh, you are on Roland Martin Unfiltered, the Black Star Network. What's on your mind?
10: Hey,
3: what's going on, brother? Can you hear me okay? Yes, sir.
4: We hear you just fine.
3: Hey, man, I, I just wanted to, to just to say thank you, man, for what you're doing, man. I'm a, I'm a big supporter of yours. I'm a, um, I've been following your story. I've been following you. Since I've been in this DMV area, I'm over here in uh, Virginia, Snitton Lake, and uh, I'm, I'm part of your uh, Bring the Front Friend Club
13: every month, like just like the lady said, like it's a water bill. You know what I'm saying? I just want
14: to just wanna uh, thank you for what you're doing. Keep up the good work, man. I'm a supporter, and I'm just behind you 100%, man. I'm just behind our people 100% all right and that, that's all i really wanted to say man well man we appreciate
4: your support we thank uh, all the folks uh, who give to the bring the funk fan club and so uh, y'all made all of this possible uh, and so we surely appreciate it thanks a bunch uh and be sure to call back again thanks a lot uh let's go uh brian lang yep. brian how you doing what's your question what's your comment
15: hello can you hear me yes sir you on Hey, uh, Roland, you know I love the show. You know I've been a supporter ever since you first started, so I'm very happy to have this opportunity just to ask for one request. How difficult would it be to include a fact-checking sheet or a, a sheet that allows us to review some of the information that you and your wonderful host give. For example, uh, I think his name is Michael M. M- Tuff. Michael M. M- Hotel. Tough. I'm sorry.
4: Yeah, he's a Gemini. And, uh,
15: yes, he, does, he, he was just uh, <laughs> able to uh, discuss about the um, uh, how many people Trump had actually uh, put on. Yeah, uh, federal Supreme, judges. Not the Supreme Court, but mm-hmm. federal yeah. judges, right. Well, it would be great if I knew what source he actually quoted that from. Is it possible to get something like that at the end of the show well, where then, we can well, l- look, look it up ourselves and, and uh for anything that we're interested in finding more information on about it, because I believe the sources that you that you give, I just sometimes would just like to know where uh Michael and other held guests have provided that information from.
4: Yeah, Thank well you. I mean what happens first of all I appreciate your call. Um uh thanks a bunch, uh, Brian. I mean so 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 what happens uh a lot of times is that um you know, when we are citing information, I mean again it's just rolling off the tongue, as you're spitting it all out versus pointing specifically. Uh the the only issue with being able to have it at the end of the show is I mean, literally that's that's Hiring somebody to do just that. Uh, because if you look at the amount of information that we cover in a two-hour period, it's a whole lot that actually goes out. Uh, and so that's that's the only, that's the only uh, uh only issue there. Uh that's also that's also why sometimes what we try to do is also when we pull up information, show you where we got it from in terms of and reference that. And so that's one of the things that we'll do. And so we'll we'll try to keep that in mind. We we'll appreciate it. Thanks a lot. You fire to the day I die. Okay. Well, look. Everybody, did anybody want to join that little youth group? Oh, here we go. Here <laughs> we want <go. My, laughs> right, to join care, that little brother. youth group. All right, bro, I Appreciate. It. Thanks take a lot. Care of you brother. <laughs> all right, then. Thanks a bunch, uh, Mark Peters. Hey, Mark. What's your comment?
10: Oh, double. uh, <clears throat> Hello. Can I be
4: heard? Yeah. That's why we. That's why you on, That's why you called in.
0: All right. Double brother, Roland Martin. First time, long time. Supports your show all the time. Appreciate it. Quick question for you. Um, A couple of years ago, you announced a debate segment on Roland Martin Unfiltered. I'm wondering, are you going to keep that debate segment on the new format of Roland Martin Unfiltered only on the Black Star Network?
4: Well, I, I, okay, so let me explain. So I, I announced that because there were a lot of people always talking trash, uh, saying how they want to go up against me. And so I put it out there, and nobody emailed. I put the email okay. out, put it on social. So everybody... <laughs> see again, So it's, it's sort of like the folk talk trash. Uh, and then, again, then when you show up at their house, knock on the door, they're like, right. uh, <laughs> I, I don't know who's using my computer, that wasn't me. Uh, and, they, and, and so they get real quiet... Uh, and so, uh, that, that... Don't, so, don't do that. Don't do that. Well, you know, that's what... But I'm saying that's what... I, that's essentially what it is. And so, uh, look, when I did talk radio, same thing, folk want to sit here. Man, I'm gonna come at you, and it's like, come on. But see, here's the thing that you gotta understand, Mark, that people don't, don't okay. realize. It's sort of like you have these people... Matt knows what I'm talking about. You got, you got these wannabe lawyers... <laughs> who got a whole lot yeah. to say, and then when right. they come up against an actual lawyer and then you just, like, lightly smack that ass, then all of a sudden they get real quiet. It's, it's always like the dude in the gym who talks okay. trash to the bruh who's a former NBA player, and they're like, oh, man, you were a because Again, the guy, in who, the guy who is the best dude at the gym... He can't right. even touch the dudes who sat on the end of the bench in the NBA. That was a story I read uh, a few months ago. That was, a, it, was a, it was a white guy. He played... I, I forgot his name. And I think he averaged like three or four points his career. And he was like, dudes right. challenge us all the time. He said, and so I'll play these guys, and it's always 15-2, 15-3. He said, because what they don't understand is... There's another gear that kicks in with with, in, mm-hmm. with players. It's a competitive thing. So what happens with me, folk want to debate. this happened in real it happened when I'm like I may be at an event or something and folk want to debate and they roll up on you. yes. And you know you talk to them, talk to them, but then they want to get serious. And then all of a sudden, I'm just letting you know, and, and Matt okay. uh, uh, Michael y'all let me know if y'all do this here, all of a sudden when people cross that line, then that other <laughs> gear kicks in, <laughs> and then you I just right. you start drilling that ass. Then it's like, yo, yo, man, don't be don't, don't be treating me like you doing your show. I'm like, no, nah, no, nah. your ass wanted to bait. Now I'm about to show you what it's like. So I tell people: when you roll up on the pro, understand you a hack. Okay? You might be a Ooh. good debater with okay. your family, but you bring your ass in here with some grown professionals. You you gonna get treated like a grown professional, and that beatdown is gonna be rough, and they can't they can't handle it. So that's why none of them responded. So I I, I am I am more than willing uh, uh, to debate the folks, uh, but you know, but again, these are the amateurs who are out there, and if they want to sit here and come come into a professional arena, as I say, hashtag bring your ass. Well, as you know, alphas are wont to disagree. Okay, well that's fine. So all right, what's the subject? You clearly want to debate. What's on your um, mind? Oh
0: me? Do I want to debate?
4: Right. No, no, not no. I mean I, I was just asking about the segment. Oh, okay, all right. And, I was I was just checking. You know, understanding. <laughs> yeah, I was just checking. I'm just I'm just waiting for somebody so to respond to the email. So if they respond, uh, I'll have them on. I'll let you know. All right. Okay. All right, all right, bro. I appreciate it, Mark. Thanks a lot. Okay. Peace, all
2: right.
4: That that, that 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 happens all the time, Matt. Cats want to sit here and like, "Oh, you you, you want to come?" You, "Okay, come on. Bring your ass. Come on. Let's go."
3: <laughs> Matt Frozen? I think Ma- Michael? Frozen. Michael? this happen to you? Yeah, well, uh that happens, but you know, I provide documentation on on my show and my lectures, so that uh that really reduces that. But uh the one caller who asked, uh Pewresearch.org, how Trump compares with other recent presidents in appointing federal judges January 13th, 2021.
4: Uh, all right then, and so uh let's see here. Uh let's go to uh hmm. I'm gonna go to to let's see here. Um who we got here? Sheila Davis? Sheila? Is Sheila there? Okay. Sheila, what's your, what's on your mind?
5: Okay, uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, I, I'm concerned about America. And, okay. and Biden administration uh, is not doing it fast enough, okay? Um, uh, I'm concerned about uh, voting rights, of course. And they waited. The Attorney General waited a, a eight months uh, to file the discrimination suit on Texas and Georgia, uh, uh, from what I understand. And they, they waited too late. No, now, no, 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 no. States- hold,
4: up. Oh, hold up, hold up, hold <laughs> up. Again, first of all, they filed the lawsuit after they the passed the voting lawsuit. laws.
5: No, they, they, they um, okay. Okay, he waited eight months t- until he addressed the issue.
4: No, no, he no, 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 no. No, again, let, let me correct you. They filed a lawsuit against Texas... What kind of lawsuit? No, the Department of Justice filed a lawsuit against the Texas voter suppression law after they passed the law. Matt, you're there in Texas, correct? <laughs>
5: Yes, yes, I know that, okay? But the, the Attorney General just filed a discrimination lawsuit against Texas. Did you hear
4: about okay, that? Okay, you said, yes, the lawsuit that they filed, they filed the lawsuit against Texas saying that the Texas voter suppression law discriminates against people of color. You said they filed it too late. Exactly. When did you want them and, to file it? And I
5: told... Okay, okay, I didn't know that they had filed it, uh... I, I I saw it last month. Okay. No, it was um, no. no uh, you you
4: you may, you may have seen it last month, but they filed the lawsuit after Texas passed the law. They filed the suit against Georgia after Georgia passed the law. Yeah, and
5: and Georgia passed the law March two thousand twenty-one. Last right? last year. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But uh, my other concern—that uh, you corrected me on that, okay? Okay. Um, but uh, I told Martin Luther King, uh, the third, they should file a lawsuit against every state—a discrimination lawsuit against 33 states that adopted that law, um, the of Depression. Okay. And also, okay, uh, okay. you can't—you
4: uh, can't just so 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 Matt exp- explain to her why. Explain to her that you just can't just file a lawsuit just because there has to be grounds. Go ahead. Has to be oh, grounds. Yeah,
7: I have. Uh, no, no, I, no, no, I, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, no,
4: hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, Sheila. I want Matt to answer what you just said. Go ahead.
7: Well, there have to be grounds, and there has to be what's called standing. So you have to actually be injured by the law. You have to have a, uh, an ability to recover something if you file a lawsuit in order to bring a lawsuit. Is basically how it works. Now, organizations can do that if their members are actually injured or if they are, you know, there's certain elements, but that's essentially how it works. So you can't just say, I'm angry about something and file a lawsuit because mm-hmm. it'll get thrown out because you won't have standing. And that's basically how that works. Also, there has to be an injury first. So you can file an injunction to try to stop something from happening. But in order for you to file a lawsuit saying you're injured by an actual law, that law has to be passed, which is why the sequence is out how it has been, as Roland explained. Okay. Okay. Uh, all right, I Sheila. Think,
5: I think, I think, right. Uh, w- wait, 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 wait. Uh, Roland. Yes. Hello. Okay. Can Joe Biden increase the Supreme Court? Uh,
4: no, he. Nominee? No, he cannot. The only way you can expand okay, this. Okay. No, no, hold up, hold up, Sheila. Congress has to pass a law in oh, order to expand the Supreme Court. The president cannot sub- sign an executive order to expand the expand the Supreme Court by himself.
5: Okay, okay, what about expelling them from the
4: Senate? No, Uh, you can't, the president can't expel anybody. Sheila, Sheila? No, not the president. Uh,
5: What about Nancy Pelosi? Sheila, 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 Sheila,
4: Sheila. Nancy Pelosi is the Speaker of the House. She does not have any jurisdiction over the United States Senate. Second of all, Nancy Pelosi, as the Speaker of the House, can't expel somebody from the United States House it has to be voted on by the entire house of representatives okay that's
5: what what my solution was for, for, but for but them, but that's not a solution
4: uh, because it can't happen one person cannot we do not have a dictatorship in america one person cannot no, 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 I know
5: there's a, and it's in the constitution about its spelling but, no, um, no, 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 uh, no, 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 yeah,
4: no, 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 Sheila. In the Constitution, it spells out how somebody can be expelled. It has to be a vote of Ooh. the House or a vote of the Senate. That's how it has to happen. Okay, Sheila. Okay. I, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot for calling. Uh, let's go to uh, let's let's go to uh, Wanda. Wanda, you're you're on rolling, Unfiltered. Wanda. Hey.
2: Good evening, Roland, and Thank you so much for taking my call. That last call is a perfect example of uh, why I love Roland Martin Unfiltered because you give us a civics lesson and I so appreciate it. I just wanted to congratulate you on the success so far. And I'm really, really looking forward to the other shows, uh, Dr. Carr's show, your wife's show. I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, I just want to say thank you for taking my call here in Florida. The next time you're in Jacksonville, I want to
10: be on that set and come and hang out okay. with y'all if possible.
4: All right. So <laughs> we'll try, to get, well, I look forward to getting down to uh, Jacksonville uh, to cover the, uh, the uh, Demings uh, Rubio race uh, this year. Awesome. Okay, awesome. I appreciate thank it. You. Thanks a lot. Good night. All right, thanks a lot. I'm going to take a couple, more, right. a couple okay. more callers uh, before I let folks go. Let me go to uh, Nicole. Nicole. How you doing? Nicole? Are you there? I think she's calling from the UK. All right, y'all let me know what's going on there. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Okay, Uh, let's see here. Uh, Linda. Linda Williams from Sacramento, California.
2: Hi, Roland. How you doing? Great. I'm here. What's the question? A a couple of things. Uh, um, The first one is... Our president, um, in his press conference a couple of days ago, uh, made a statement in saying that um, he is being treated in his first year worse than what Barack Obama was treated. But yet he forgets that the Affordable Care Act received, I believe, not one vote from the Senate or House. And that was the biggest legislation in his eight years. So to me, he should have been fact-checked on that.
4: To, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. But that's not okay. Okay, he said how he's been treated. What is that? I mean, mm-hmm. what so what, what is your complaint?
2: My complaint is Obama was treated just as worse, if not worse. But you know, he should have been fat checked because if y'all seen his, his expression, you know, he has an expression, expression like, um, no, I'm getting treated worse. Okay so um, how...
4: okay but how do you okay but she, but here's a question how do you fact check a feeling I
2: agree you can't fact check can't a fact feeling, check a feeling but
4: it's Mhm So that's that's just his but he that's just made, his perspective so he's it, that's so that's okay, just fact. you can't fact check that that's just what he thinks Okay I mean, now, I, mean I mean Don Trump said right Don Trump said I'm being treated worse in any president in the history oh, wait, except okay. no, except Lincoln, and Lincoln was killed.
2: Oh please, I don't know what's my breast talking about him. Um, number two, really quick, roll it. Go. Yeah, Go. I agree.
13: Go. So, no, you said number two.
2: I have a real problem. Yeah, I have a real problem with a lot of our athletes and entertainers who want to come on board a month before every election and ask. Um, presidents, um, congresspeople, what are they doing for Black America, blah, 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 blah. But where was they at up until two days ago, vote? You heard from some, some, but none of them, the consciousness of them just befuddles me. So I'm just so disappointed in them when it comes to the voting rights. You know, they they don't come along, like I said, until then. So I have a problem with that, and I wish that... um, that a lot of them would say more before a month before an election.
4: Actually, I don't. I want a lot of them. To say, I want a lot of them to say less. Uh, I tell. I tell you. I tell you. I, I, no, 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 no. I know. I do. Uh, because Michael, uh, we know there's a whole bunch of folk who are entertainers and athletes who have no idea what the hell they're talking about. So I don't want them mm-hmm. talking. Michael, go
3: ahead. Well, you can just look at some of their comments about coronavirus and vaccines and you can tell a lot of them don't know what they're talking I don't about. Um uh, some some, some I don't you know, you 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 have you have some athletes and entertainers who mean well and they want to help, but they really need to be educated on policies and politics and things like this and laws. They really oh, need sure. to be educated. You have others who, who are just grifters and just uh, and are just in it for themselves. But um I'm. I'm not looking I'm to athletes and entertainers. I'm not looking to athletes and entertainers to educate us on that's politics. Right. Okay, Th- I think that's I'm one of the mistakes to... that we make. We, but, we shouldn't I... look to athletes and entertainers to educate us on politics. We need to. We need to look at uh, lawyers, activists, politicians, historians, policy planners, urban planners political scientists, things like this. I'm not looking to athletes and entertainers to educate us on politics.
4: Because I'll tell you, Matt, I'll tell you, Matt, uh, to that particular point that Michael just made there, uh, when I'm watching CNN, MSNBC, I always see them booking black entertainers and activists talking. I do never see them talking to white entertainers and activists asking them policy questions on white America.
7: Of course not. Of course not. And I, to, to Michael's point, I mean, we shouldn't look to them for that. But I do think we should leverage those platforms. It's a matter of mm-hmm. requiring them to be better educated if they're going to speak out. That. But I don't think we can we can undermine the fact that they have much larger platforms than a lot of those activists and lawyers and other people. So it's a matter of marrying good information and solid information with the platform. And that's how you move the ball forward.
4: Absolutely. Linda, thanks for your phone call. I appreciate it. Thanks a
2: lot. Bro, well, the cafe was something...
4: Real quick, you got ten seconds. Oops, sorry about that, Linda. See, Linda, see yeah, I gave you, Linda, you on with four and a half minutes. You gotta get it in. You gotta gotta get it gotta get it in when you get it in. Uh real quick, uh Greg Allison. Greg, what's your comment?
6: Thank you, Roland. Yes, sir, Roland, thank you for having me on. Mm-hmm. Um your doctor Peter Hotez has um revised his um his vaccine his vaccine he made for I'm I'm sorry sir I'm all caught up here um He he put together a SARS vaccine back in the day, and um, I I just was wondering if you knew about
4: it. Yeah. yeah. Matter of fact, when he was on the show, he told us Texas Children's Hospital, where he works there in Houston, uh, they actually created a COVID vaccine, and they actually are sharing the information, sharing the vaccine with people all across the world, unlike uh, Moderna, unlike uh, them. So yeah, when he was on the show, he told us about that.
6: I'll, I must have missed it. I'm, I'm on good. your YouTube chat as clutching sticks. Okay. well thank you sir and i I'm appreciate it
4: bro off. i appreciate it thank you so very much all right uh that is it you uh it. it's a friday uh matt uh and michael thanks for uh uh sticking around a little bit longer for us taking the phone calls We a little no longer than some of the other segments but definitely want to get the phone calls in i appreciate it gentlemen uh thanks for being on the show kelly thanks a bunch uh as well and so thanks. uh and thank all the calls i couldn't get to everybody and so what we'll do is uh, next week we may uh just uh you know what do news in the first hour and then, of course, uh, do uh, phone calls for the uh, last hour of the show. Uh, and again, so we're going to be incorporating calls into the show, uh, not just once a week, but multiple times uh, in the week. Before we go, though, folks, uh, we do have a, couple, a passing of a couple of our uh, African-American uh, elders who have now moved on to become ancestors. Uh, and that is uh, the, the only woman to ever be drafted. Kill the music, please. Thank you very much. Uh, And uh, folks, uh, Lucia Harris, you might not know that name, uh, but she was a tremendous athlete. She holds several firsts in world basketball. She was the first woman to be drafted by an NBA team officially, the first woman to score in an Olympic game. In 1992, became the first black woman inducted into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. She was a 1976 Olympic silver medalist uh, and helped Delta State University win three straight national titles in the 1970s. The family released the following statement. We are deeply saddened to share the news that our angel, matriarch, sister, mother, grandmother, Olympic medalist, the Queen of Basketball, uh, uh, Lucia Harris, has passed away unexpectedly today in Mississippi. The recent months brought Ms. Harris great joy, including the news of the upcoming wedding of her youngest son the outpouring of recognition received by a recent documentary that brought worldwide attention to her story. She passed away at the age of 66. Actress and singer Carol Speed, most known for her roles in a handful of 1970s films, died at the age of 76. She passed away in Muskegee, Oklahoma. Her first job in show business was as backup singer for Bobby Gentry at Harris Club in Reno, Nevada. She had some TV acting success with guest roles on Julia San and Son and a recurring role on Days of Our Lives before making a name for herself on the big screen. One of her most prominent roles was Lulu, the loyal prostitute girlfriend of Max Julian's pimp character, In the 1973 movie, The Max, she played the girlfriend of a club owner in 1974's release of Chuck Bale's Black Samson. She also was the deaf woman in the cult cult martial arts drama Dynamite Brothers featuring Timothy Brown. Folks, uh, Carol Speed, uh, again, passed away uh, at the age of 76. All right, folks, uh, that is uh, it for us. Uh, Glad you could join us on uh, Roller Mart Unfiltered. Please don't forget, download the Black Star Network app, all the various platforms, Apple TV, Android TV, uh, of course, uh, Al- uh, Roku, uh, for Amazon Fire, Xbox, Samsung Smart TV, and of course, uh, be sure to support our Breanna Funk Fan Club. Uh, if you want to call in, gotta be a fan club member, uh, and so if you don't contribute, you can't call in. Uh, so cash app, dollar sign RM unfiltered, PayPal is RM unfiltered, Venmo is RM unfiltered, Zelle is rolling at rollingasmartin.com. All right, folks, that's it. I'll see you guys on Monday. Don't forget, go to the Black Star Network and check out my interview with Glenn Turman. Fascinating conversation we had. I'll see you on Monday. How
2: From
13: BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast